Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast that shall not be named. <laughs> so uh, today I, yeah, I'm kind of just going to go with what's flowing because this is actually the fourth recording of my intention and attempt for the next episode and it the first two um kind of just didn't felt sort of forced well the first one felt forced the second one ended up being a mirror image of the one already published episode four because I had forgotten which one was published and which one wasn't so that was quite funny (laughs) and then the third one was a smorgasbord and went down so many different trajectories I felt nauseous I felt carsick listening to it um I talked about I started talking about what made me laugh um about the saying there is no such thing as bad weather only bad clothing and how I applied that to building resilience in ourselves and learning how to be in command of ourselves and that actually my what I'm searching for in life was not to be happy which I originally thought but was actually to be in command so that when I experience happiness or sadness or anxiety or whatever that I'm able to handle and support and care for myself so that whatever the weather I'm able to withstand it because I'm wearing the correct clothing and then I went down talking about the vagus nerve vagus nerve and then I went down talking about victim mentality and sexism and in the middle of it all uh talked about um creating space in my life so (laughs) I kind of hold on a second all of these things might warrant their own discussion their own episode uh or they don't ever need to see the light of day um and yeah, so I just, I, you know, I looked at it and start editing it. And then I said, hold on a second, say this is, you know, it just, yeah, I wanted, I just deleted the whole thing and kind of coming back to center of like, right, what is the essence that I want to sort of move through my body and, and let, let out through via um, my voice or the voice of this body. And what's been interesting for me this last while, because I kind of recorded the first few podcast episodes. Oh, (laughs) someone's at the door. All right, (laughs) we're back. It wasn't for me. Um, so... (laughs) brilliant thanks life um what has been interesting of late is 
the up and down that I've been feeling with the anxiety um, and then also the work that's been that I've been getting on um, the osteopathy on my sacrum and I think I've done four sessions now and like today I'm feeling very sort of non-emotional in the sense like there's no heaviness but there's also no ecstatic ecstatic oh my god why do I keep making up words <laughs> anyway um I'm kind of feeling you know like the river's calm <laughs> at the minute and what um I've been noticing is this concept I have of sexism and the man and the woman and the inequality and I am in like in fired <laughs> inspired but more fired up in, in fired uh, to take action or or work work in a way that tries to I don't know I mean like I could say bring equality into the world, but, you know, that's kind of a tall order, <laughs> at least. but at least do something um, about it and try and kind of uncover like what needs to happen in order to bring our experience uh, into a more equal one. And so that's been kind of on my mind a lot. And the sacrum and the anxiety has been really interesting because what I started to uncover was this whole idea, the sacrum and the root chakra and the feeling of safety and the feeling of security and the fact that women, it's quite common for women to hold a lot of tension in the pelvis, in the hips. And obviously the pelvis is a very... Um, uh, it's the area where, you know, for women are reproductive, well, both of us are reproductive organs are. And a woman's sort of sense of power. Um, and how else do I kind of put this? There's, there's, a, there's a lot riding on the pelvis. There's a lot riding on the root chakra. And what I sort of kind of touched on in the last episode that the this, this stable foundation um, that the root chakra represents, this safe and secure foundation that allows us to try new things and scary things and push our boundaries of what we're able to do because we're coming from a place of safety. And that actually, you know, for me, I've been sort of discovering like, oh, this constant sense of fear and sense of, I'm going to die, someone's going to die, this could kill me, that could kill me, if I trip over here, I'm going to die, I'm going to smack my... Like, constant sort of fear risk assessment, <laughs> probably why I really enjoy um, working in crowd and event safety. Um, <laughs> like, what if, what if, what if? Um, and that it's because I'm not coming from a place of safety, because I don't have that stable foundation, because my... Um, my pelvis has been out of whack for a really long time because of the the, the um, jamming and, and freezing of the sacrum from the injury. And 
what I have noticed in these last few sessions was the third one, um, she got, she got it moving. She got it moving again. It freed up and it started moving. And it was like, I, I could feel it. I could feel the kind of pelvic, the, the sort of that undulation of that, um, communication back and forth between the, the up, up and down the spine. Um, and cause it's, I can't, I don't know what fluid it is, but anyway, um, and there was, we're, we were starting to get some resonance, some aliveness going in the bone again. It was, it was starting to, to kind of move and not, um, be frozen. And what happened that week after that, after that session, I went, so even though that was a successful moment, I got sciatica the next day, the day after that, I was sitting in bed on my laptop and felt this huge clunk, like something moved. And then I got numbness down there and then I got pain in my right hip and all the pain that I originally had came back. And I was really in, in not a good way. And then I was feeling intense anxiety again, feeling uns unsafe, um, you know, you know, the same story over again. And it, it really kind of showed, like I was really struggling with sleeping. Um, and it really showed when I was, um, oh, and I became at the same time I was starting to reduce coffee. <laughs> Good luck. If anyone, if you ever try that, um, the, in, the insane headaches and tiredness. Um, and a moment, a kind of example that sticks out was I was, going to the studio to teach my um, client and it's the same time every week and I leave the house at the same time every week and this time I left the house a little bit later because I couldn't remember if I left at quarter two or on the hour and I left a little bit later and I got to the studio a little bit later and giving me only five minutes before the client arrived and I just felt I was while I was like on the bus going there I was like time watching my heart was racing I was like oh my god oh my god I'm gonna be late and like really panicking and really stressing and I was like and then the observer in me was going hold on a second this is whatever you're feeling right now you are reacting as if you were about to die and your life is at risk when what is happening in reality is you are on the way to the studio to teach a client Pilates what and I I remember then like the bus site, there was a bus stop close, so the bus had to go to like a further bus stop site to walk back. So it was like building the anxiety in me. And I then got off the bus and there was traffic. So the bus was stuck in traffic and it was, you know, it was just like perpetuating it. And, excuse me. Um, and I was then walking, got off the bus and walked to the studio. And I just remember going, please, please, please help me, help me help help me someone help something help me um I, I I'm being consumed I can't I can't I can't do this I can't do this anymore and I it was I just wanted like a I wanted like a guardian angel or an archetype or just someone I could call on to just wrap their arms around me uh, in spirit and just say like you are okay you are safe you are okay um, because no amount of like me telling myself that seemed to help. And I then taught 
my clients and it was I it was it was challenging because I was feeling this way but then needing to put on this face and um I felt kind of like out of sync then with the clients and they you know they said that they had a good session but uh, and it was and but for me I really felt like I was really struggling to kind of be fully present for them because I wasn't in that um place of safety and I yeah was absolutely exhausted um when I came home I can't really really remember anything much after that and I went back to I had a session the week later and I went back to the um to the osteo and she's you know she was like how are you doing and I said honestly this was awful (laughs) I had a really awful time (laughs) um and I'm in pain and etc and she got me on the table and she said it looks like your sacrum's like jammed kind of upwards and everything around there on the right the psoas everything's tightened up again not as much as the first time but it's tightened up and the way I sort of see this is that we started to get a bit of movement but I think because there was so much movement the body went (gasps) panic and like you know I'm here to protect you and she even said it she was like I think the pattern was still trying to re-establish itself and then she did her work and she got a bit of movement and I could feel as the massage she was like massaging in on the psoas I could feel it as she was kind of gently working with the bones and with the muscles it was starting to ease up kind of like okay I'm safe I'm in a place of safety and uh, then after and since I have had no pain no pain at all um well there's like little to no pain there's been kind of few twinges and knowing it's there but I'm moving with freedom and what's also happened is the anxiety has gone and I feel as I said well I've been feeling kind of unwell but I think that's to do with the coffee withdrawal (laughs) um but the anxiety I thought the anxiety was to do with the coffee and it could be because you know that that coffee is a suppressant so taking the coffee away is like lifting the lid on on <laughs> the box of Pandora, all the monsters crawling out. Um, but just really interesting to notice that after that session, like today and yesterday, um, I'm feeling sort of emotionally like pretty, pretty kind of stable. Um, and it reminds me of any pattern that when we try to change something we make the change but then we relapse right because we're learning something new and my favorite example always to use is uh harry potter and the horcruxes and i see the horcruxes represent like his fear and he's like facing his fear one after the other and when you you face your fear so when he goes to destroy the horcrux it releases like one last blast of like you know like 100% ramping up like the fear to try and to try and protect itself um so it's like one last attempt at like latching on to like maintain the pattern and that's what I feel was happening it was like we started to get things going and then the pattern was like no 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 hold on you know um and and froze up again and and how I see that in my sort of daily life and how it relates to like my work and career and the imposter syndrome and feeling feeling of self-worth 
is that um, correlating to that was I was feeling that I was feeling really low and not feeling worthy of anything. And now today, like since the session where she helped kind of reestablish things, I'm not feeling that like I'm not feeling like an imposter. I'm not feeling um, like I'm not worthy. I'm actually thinking about there's like loads of thoughts about um, what I'd like to do and what I'd like to learn and prepare for, um, you know, these discussions in inequality and, um, you know, kind of preparing for, for the next thing that I'm going to do or writing, whatever. So that's been really interesting um kind of seeing that correlation and I really think it does come back to that feeling feeling safe in myself and because I'm feeling safe in myself right now I'm happy to take the next step and do the thing that is kind of scary and whereas when I wasn't feeling like that when I wasn't feeling like that I couldn't take I couldn't think about taking any next step I could only think about my current situation um so for example like I in that period of anxiety um I was really worrying about money and like today I'm not worrying about money I'm still in the same situation absolutely like nothing in my situation has changed but I'm not worrying right now. I'm not fearing for my safety and security right now. That's not to say that once again, tomorrow it'll change, but that's what I'm feeling right now. And instead of worrying about like, how am I going to um, earn money? I'm, I'm thinking about the things that I want to do. You know, it's um, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, so I'm, even though I should be thinking, I love that, should, mm, watch out for the judgment. That's a really good one to watch out for when one says should, because that's where the creepy little judgment comes in and goes, meh, 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 I'm going to make you feel terrible about yourself. And when technically I would be thinking about where I'm going to get some money from, I'm thinking about how I can make the world a more equal place, how I can make um, nurture equality in myself, how I can heal the wounds in myself so I can better be of service to others. So that to me just creates so much space. Um, and I just feel like I'm coming from a place of like level headedness and non reactionness. <laughs> oh God. Um, you know, like I feel like I'm, if someone was to, um, you know, whoever we live with, whoever we're close with, you know, if they're in a bad mood um, and we react to them, it's like, well, we're not really in that space of command because we're reacting. We're not able to take that space to like respond or realize that it's not our stuff, it's theirs. And um, noticing that I um, like had, was noticing like others in a bad mood and I was able to observe myself feeling like I wanted to make them feel better so I could feel better myself. And then realizing I needed to take myself away from the situation because it was not my job to make them feel better. And actually it was respectful to allow them to be in the mood they're in, you know. 
um, allowing someone to feel what they're feeling is, I think, is actually very respectful because we're honouring that they are feeling like that. So the this sort of thread that has been tugged with this whole sacrum work and my whole um, raison d'etre that I want to work on this concept of equality and supporting my fellow people in the industry of events. Obviously, it's across every industry, but I work in the events industry, so I'm staying in my lane. <laughs> and how people's stories of inequality really pull on my heart, and I'm going to get teary now. <laughs> and I knew in my heart that, um, you know, not getting a job because you're pregnant or um, not progressing comparing to a man because you're a woman um, or uh, being discriminated against because of how young you are and, and being sort of belittled um, or being physically harassed. And I get angry, of course, because boundaries are crossed and it really makes me want to go, like, makes me want to do this stuff because when I teach event management students, a lot of them are, are, are women or female or, you know, and I don't I, I want them to come in to an industry where they feel safe and they feel secure and they feel like they have these equal opportunities and the thing is is that I think it's so I need to be really careful because it's it's not someone else's fault you know I like talking about this this mentor in the industry how Eight years ago, I, I worked for him and I was in a managerial role. He was in a head of role and the role he was hiring now was kind of similar to what he did eight years ago. And in eight years, he's progressed to like these chief executive roles. And in eight years, I haven't progressed technically at all. And I just sort of went like, what's going on here? You know, and I know... It, comparison is the thief of joy but it was it was this thing of like and I it's not a man's fault and our lives are different and I went down a different trajectory in those eight years I went and tr did started training and started my master's and you know so you kind of have to take a step back in the workforce and I I set up the whole thing to prove a point to myself. So the story I was telling myself was that I'm not progressing because I'm a woman and he's progressing because he's a man. That was the story I'm telling myself. Thank you, Brene Brown. And when, if you look at the bigger picture, he's in a different part of his life. I'm in a different part. Like you can't compare. And yes, we experience these, these, moments and 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 evidence of discrimination but when I start to look under the hood of 
of men, it's <laughs> like, it's that same thing that I said about fear and judgment. It's the same thing. So we, you know, I'm going to be general. I know that there are, um, I'm being kind of binary here with men and women, but it's the only way I can get my story across. And it, and it's, you know, my, ex, my experience that I'm sharing. And if I feel treated with disrespect because I'm a woman and if a man is intentionally or unintentionally treating a woman uh you know thinking that she's not up for the job thinking that she's too emotional thinking that um she doesn't know what she's talking about because she's young or she's whatever or trying to mask that they think it's something else when actually it's bias because she's a woman Is it not because we, you know, they think they're better, but actually they themselves are suppressed and therefore taking it out on us. It's the, you know, I, if I play the role of the victim, somebody else needs to be playing the role of the perpetrator. We can't play in a game unless there's agreement that we're in the game together because the moment someone says I'm not playing anymore the game's over and I say game not in the fun sense I say game in the psychological transactional analysis sense um perpetrator victim um enabler uh, rescuer alcoholic you know those those roles and so if I'm playing the victim and the man's playing the perpetrator why is he belittling me in the first place? Say, for example. And when I start looking under the hood and I start reading into psychology of boys and of men, and um, there's an Oscar-nominated film called Close out now about the relationship, the friendship, close friendship about with two young boys. And... Um, in Belgium and I found a woman named Niobe Way, a beautiful name and she is a psychologist professor and this is what she works on is um, boys and basically you know we yes we need to focus on uh, quote-unquote liberating women but actually we if we want to balance society we need to look at both sides of the table. And if, and there's this sort of um, discussion in, well, I can see it in America anyway, because they're the kind of people that I'm following, that this mass violence is in part a result of the suppression of boys' ability to develop their relationships, to develop their emotions, to be able to talk, because it's pushed down. And then it comes out and explodes in violence. And um, I kind of saw on this uh, um, a trailer for a, a documentary that the four most damaging words a boy hears is be like a man. And this idea of masculinity being stoic, unemotional, and solves problems through fighting and aggression um, 
is a not not in my opinion um what true masculinity and masculine energy is um so it's distorted um and therefore we're all kind of living up to a distorted ideal which is thrown the whole world out of whack and so if I'm feeling like a victim and let's say a man has I don't know said something you know hypothetical said something to belittle me because maybe I expressed my emotions or I was trying to navigate through um, a challenging discussion and and you know um, trying to build relations I don't whatever pick pick topic um, is he belittling me because he is suppressed and is unable to access his emotions and sees that I am he isn't doesn't like that so projects it out onto me and takes it out on me and then I then adopt so he's you know he's throwing the first lash stone at me going will you play the game and then I turn around and I react as the victim hook I'm in the game perpetrator victim um a great example and and but the thing is we are both I'm playing the victim because I feel lack of self-worth. I feel inadequate. So I take on that role because that matches my feeling of inadequacy. I'm feeling inadequate because I'm a victim. He is feeling inadequate, doesn't want to look at that, so takes it out on me, projects it out on me. Perpetrator, victim, both feeling inadequate. Bullying, prime example. The bully feels inadequate doesn't know how to deal with it, takes it out on someone who feels inadequate, takes on the role of victim. Hurt people, hurt people. And a lot of the, I mean, I'm kind of being extreme because that's one of the things with sexism or any kind of discrimination, it can be so subtle because we're not aware, you know, boys grow up into men not being aware about their emotions because it was so suppressed from such a young age they've never accessed it they don't know and then they don't know that they're they're not aware they're they don't know that they're then taking it out on someone else so when you go you said that to me you dismissed me from my role you excluded me from, because I'm a woman it immediately gets their backs up because to them no they didn't they have every other reason why um because they're not they're not able to see so from my perspective, if I want to make this change or, or work in the area of equality and supporting women, A, I need to not shame anybody and B, I need to be supporting men as well. We both need to be supported equally. We both need to be able to feel safe to access our emotions. We both need to be able to feel safe and secure in ourselves to be able to take the next step from a place of safety. We, we're both feeling inadequate. So that is how I'm developing my perspective going forward is that is not to build these 
shaming, you did this, you know, whatever, um, victimizing, um, defense walls, because I just, I think that's not going to help anything. And I don't want to shame anybody. And I want to work with men and women and anybody, you know, once again, I know I'm speaking binary, um, but I, it's, it's working with everybody to, to recognize that we have these defenses up, to recognize the feelings of inadequacy, to recognize that we are suffering, all of us, and actually, for me, if I want to make, you know, quote unquote, make the world a better place, I need to sort out the stuff in me first because every action I take is is going to be an, you know, an outward kind of action of how I'm feeling inside. And if I'm out of balance, well, then the actions that I take are going to be out of balance. And the world really needs more love <laughs> And more compassion and doesn't need any more anger or hate. And I know anger is a interesting one because it is an alerting. You know, I, I think anger can be, can, can support us. Um, but it's, it's that lashing out and taking it out on someone for me doesn't, it just, it just keeps the game going because if we, you know, if I, if I kind of say, oh, the events industry, um, you know, men are sexist or whatever, like, that's just, that's really not going to help anyone, A, generalizing, <laughs> um, and B, it just puts up, it just puts up defenses, and if I want um, whoever is on the opposite of the discrimination to change, does pointing the finger at them, has that ever made anybody change? <laughs> or we work together to, you know, work together to feel safe, feel secure, be vulnerable, open our hearts and then learn where we can grow. Um, you know, as we know, teaching a child, teaching a pet, if we want to teach them how to do things, it's positive reinforcement, not negative reinforcement. We focus our energy. Um, oh, where did I read it? Energy goes where energy flows where intention goes or something like that. Um, if we keep focusing on the positive, we're going to nourish and nurture the positive. Um, so if I focus on what I what I want to get out of this, um, you know, building a more equal world or doing my part of that. Um, right. Let's focus on working with men and women, everybody to find out the source of the 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 identity that we place on either a victim or a perpetrator and then working to let that go through owning what we're feeling because it's you know taking on the role of a victim um it's it just for me it just perpetuates the suffering because it's part of that as I've talked before like not taking responsibility like in order to in order to really be in command and to have power in our life is to take responsibility because 
like the cake of life, <laughs> our cake. You know, if I take all the slices back, I've got a full cake. That's my cake. And now I've got the power. Um, whereas if I start giving slices of power away, I'm giving slices of responsibility away. And the quickest way to give her power away is to be a victim because it's someone else's fault that I'm feeling like this and they need to change in order for me to feel better. We will we will never be happy because we are constantly giving our power away to this person. I'm just like handing out hooks <laughs> that I'm, you know, connecting onto a person and to me. And then my happiness is dependent on how they behave. Um, and I just never, that will never get me anywhere. Um, so yeah. Hmm. I think that's all I want to share today. Um, and it's definitely a conversation that is going to keep evolving. Um, and just really ties into that, the feeling of worth and imposter syndrome. Um, and how a lot more people than we realize experience imposter syndrome and it's a great example of if we take the binary again men and women and how women are expressing that they're feeling imposter syndrome but men because they were told to be a man and don't show emotions and big boys don't cry they suppress that emotion so therefore oh I don't feel imposter syndrome because they keep it to themselves and don't talk about it nurturing nurturing balance between the masculine energies and the feminine energies is in my opinion needed for all of us for me as a woman I need to nurture healthy feminine energy and healthy masculine energy the same for men And the seeing like the, the kind of what I'm the research going into the correlation between mass violence in in America, you know, the, the gun gun violence, um and the suppression of emotional development, uh emo like connecting to emotions and, and building relationships in boys, so heightening that isolation. Um, huge correlation um, and and the suicide risk for boys and for men is far higher than for women you know men that hmm, like how we are taught as children and there was an article I read in the New York Times about um book uh, children's books and how this author of the article um noticed that the 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 contents of children's books for girls was about relationships and developing relationships and uh, emotional drama and um you know going to parties i think one was like going to parties but she needed to go to two parties at once and how she was able to 
um, do that. I don't know, you know, those are the kind of challenges to overcome. Um, boys, infants, it said it started with inanimate objects, so cars, trucks, planes, whatever. And then as they developed, the stories then became hero stories or non, um, like male identified, um, non-human characters. And they, there would be the um, antagonist, the protagonist, and they would fight and then one person would win in the end. Little stories about um, empathy and developing, um, you know, uh, conversation and developing how we communicate with each other and trying to de-escalate situations. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, the kind of diver, you know, how how these identities are created and then then we then associate with those identities, which then go down, you know, basically, I think we've just been kind of, we've been selling ourselves total distorted views of what is masculine energy and what is feminine energy. That's not gender specific. That's to do with yin or yang, you know, darkness and light, the, the, the fact that there are, um, that we live in a dualistic world. So we've kind of created these roles for ourselves and then identified with them. <laughs> Um, anyway, before I, um, start going down so many different routes and doing what I did with the other episode I recorded, um, I think I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>